Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jeremiah, poor guy, oftentimes called the weeping prophet, that poor fellow, because he had to speak words that were not popular, that were not heeded, and he knew they weren't going to be heard, and he had to watch everything play out just like he said it would. This past week has been interesting, hasn't it? Started out last Sunday, that terrible disaster that happened Sunday with those five individuals in that submersible, what a tragedy. And like it always happens, after something terrible happens, uh, we start hearing how everyone knew this was going to happen ahead of time, right? Always hindsight's twenty twenty. But apparently there were plenty of prophets telling uh, the owners, I think, of Ocean Gates that this is going to happen, that this is not a qualified vehicle, that it hasn't been tested, it seems dangerous, and many prominent individuals made this really clear in written letters, don't do it. Someone's going to get hurt. And now all of us geniuses are like, yeah, see, I knew that was going to happen. That's why I didn't go in the submarine, etc. Especially love how hypocritical and sick and generally dumb Americans are as you hear so many people saying, well, uh, rich, those rich people and their vacations, almost as if they deserved it, almost as if you don't waste your money all the time on dumb things, equally, nefariously. <laughs> you, my friends, are absolutely no different than anyone who got in there. What are you ashamed of? What have you done? What plans of yours have blown up or wasted? Jeremiah is that prophet just like those that wrote the letters to the president of that company, he was speaking to the people of Israel who were making plans themselves, creating a situation that was just as well, far more, by the way, morally crazy. They didn't, let me, don't ever think this immersion was some sort of immoral thing. It wasn't. But the people of Israel, ridiculous behaviors insane attitudes and actions. And Jeremiah says in chapter 1 that he was sent to call them out on it, not just with a letter, but by preaching it right in their ears in Jerusalem, in the temple, to be an annoyance 
to tell the people of Israel to repent, return. You're going the wrong way. It's all going to fall apart. It's going to break down. It's going to be destroyed. Turn around, he cries out. Jeremiah is interesting. He says this in chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. He was sent to do this from the get-go. And by the way, this is how you don't read the Bible. And we do this all the time. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He's not talking about you. This is not for you. The Bible wasn't written like for you in the sense of like every word is exactly for you. And you're, no. This is a Jeremiah. You weren't consecrated to be a prophet in the nations. That's Bible interpretation 101 that we fail, especially as Americans, we do this all the time. But Jeremiah was set aside in the womb to speak, to warn, to be that prophet. And that's what a prophet is, by the way. A prophet is not simply a predictor of future events. A prophet is one who tells people what God is thinking about the situation now, to tell them what's really happening now and not just in the future. That's a huge understanding, what a prophet is. And so prophet was, uh, Jeremiah was set not just to predict the future, but to tell people what God thinks about what they're doing right now, and of course to tell them this is where this is going to lead. That's a prophet. And Jeremiah did exactly that. And let me make it really clear to you. As you read Jeremiah, what was going on in Judah and southern Israel at the time? These people were created by God, like we all were. They were saved by God in Exodus through the Red Sea. They were given the promised land. They were rescued from their enemies. They were bought and they were taken care of by God. But at this point in 600 or so BC, they had started chasing after other gods. What have you done for me lately? And all these nearby gods of different cultures, they thought, well, maybe they'll give me that great harvest because it doesn't seem like God is doing it right now. Or maybe they'll give us more children because God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. Or, quite frankly, well, my friends are praying to this God. I think I'm going to. And so, as Jeremiah says, as God says, they set up an altar on every hill, and there was a prayer under every tree, worshiping different gods, worshiping creation, anything they could get their hands on, looking for answers everywhere. And oftentimes, the phrase is adultery in Jeremiah. They're treated as an adulterous nation. I think it's a really good word because God had loved them, sincerely provided for them, took care of them, treated them with mercy and grace, picked them out of all the other nations, and now they wandered looking for other lovers. This is a a theme throughout all the prophets as we go through those, that sinners or especially the people of Israel, the adulterous bride theme. Another one you'll see in here and others is the vineyard. I 
took care of you. I planted you. I watered you. I fed you with everything. And why are you producing bad fruits? Those two, those two uh, illustrations of how God sees people that have been loved and taken care of by God and yet rebel against them, the adulterous bride and the fruitless vineyard. But it's worse, worse than that. The people of Israel weren't simply not worshiping right and making up all these other high hills and making up other gods or whatever. That's insane and illogical. But they were also doing this, and it always goes together. Each prophet always calls the people of Israel on these two things, and it's not just arbitrary rules. You're not doing the arbitrary rules right. But it's usually calling them out on your chasing after other gods, just because it's cool, quite frankly. And second, and by the way, just by the way, by other gods, we're talking about Baal, a popular cult around the Israel region. And what they did, the Israelites were doing this. They were killing their babies for Baal, sacrificing their infants or unborn in order to win his pleasure, which is sick, but that's what all other gods do. They demand sacrifice and it never ends. And they demand, and they demand even your own life. But the people of Israel were also not just doing that, and this is also equally as heinous to God, not loving their neighbor. They weren't taking care of the poor. You'll see the same thing in all the prophets. You're not taking care of the poor or the needy, the orphan or the widow. You're letting the weak just stumble. You despise people that need something. You're not sharing with one another. These always go together. We like to separate them, right? I love God. God's awesome, but we don't love our neighbor. You can't. It goes together. Loving God, love your neighbor. And all the prophets say the same thing and call them out on their false worship and their chasing after the gods, but also in how they despise those that need their help and don't share or show mercy to others as God has shown mercy to them. These are equally despicable to God as sacrificing a child for Baal. Jeremiah calls him out, but guess what he receives for that? Chapter 20, I love this language. The guy had a tough life. <laughs> As he says, Oh Lord, you've deceived me and I have deceived. I, we listened to this earlier. You're stronger than I and you prevailed. I become a laughing stock all the day. Everybody mocks me for whenever I speak, I cry out, violence and destruction's coming. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach, a derision all day long. If I say I'll not mention him or speak anymore in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary with holding it in and I cannot. And I hear people whispering terrors on every side. Denounce him. Let us denounce him. See all my close friends watching for my fall. He was mocked. Because who wants to hear this? Who wants to hear bad news? Who wants to hear that you're wrong? Who wants to hear that your innovation and your submersible isn't going to work and it's all a waste and it's a failure? We make fun of those guys that made that submersible, how dumb they are. How dumb are you? 
we hate to hear we're wrong. Jeremiah suffered for it. Arrested by the chief priest. And sure enough, what happens? Everything Jeremiah said was going to happen. If you don't turn around, Assyria is going to come in, Babylon's going to come in and take you all with them. And exactly, that's exactly what happened in 570 BC. They march in, Babylon does, destroys those sick people of God and brings them in exile to Babylon in captivity. The people of God enslaved by like the pagan of pagans, Babylonians. When we hear about bad things happening to other people, we don't point fingers at them and how bad they are. We repent ourselves. We look at what things we're making that are for naught. We look at how we're maybe wasting our money. We reflect on our lives when we're confronted with death. And we repent. And we get to repent. And so do the people of Israel because we're repenting before a God that has mercy and forgives just like that. Doesn't wait for you to straighten your whole life up or make it perfect. The Lord loves, He's a sucker for repentance. He's a sucker for your little sob stories, right? Your little daily, you feel really bad and you're like, oh Lord, forgive me. And the next day you do it again. Who's that? And the Lord is a sucker because <laughs> He's a sucker for His bride. Jeremiah talks in chapter 23 not just about destruction, but remember what God said, you are going to build and plant. And Jeremiah says this, and he said this to his exiled friends all in Babylon who had seen these terrible things happen to him and to them, right? And Jeremiah says this, behold the days are coming everybody declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. Isn't that beautiful? Even all that Israel had done, God doesn't give up. He's just that dumb. He's dumber than we are. He's more stubborn than we are. Even after all this, he can't stop it. This lover, this groom, does not give up even on his bride, this runaway, even on you and me. And sure enough, the Lord comes himself to win Israel over and you over. Think about this. God comes in the flesh in Christ and in John chapter 3, where do we see him? Who's he with? I'm sorry, four. The Samaritan woman. What does that mean? Samaritan is the people of Israel that had mixed themselves up with all kinds of other gods. That's what Samaria was. And there's Jesus personally, and there's God personally at the well with a woman who's been married five times. You think this is a coincidence? 
This is you and this is me, broken and busted by the world, by our own actions, what's been done to us through a life of just trash. And there's this woman hiding out in the middle of the day so no one sees her. And there's Jesus because that's actually Israel. And that's you. And there's God, sucker for us. <laughs> After we've created the little pit that we've made, There's our Lord. There's our Lord on the cross after we've destroyed our lives and people are calling us names. Who's next to us? Jesus. To win us back, to die and rise for us, to forgive us. That's how committed he is to you, his bride, to you, hypocrites, to you, sinners. God loves you. I don't even understand, and forgives and calls you back to his side today. In Jesus' name, amen.